Good morning, good morning. Glad you guys are here. Hiya, hiya, hiya. And hello to our friends online.、Um, our dear friend, Miss Tina Brown, is always joining us online and、uh, typing comments. And there's like not a lot of people who comment. So I wanted to tell live、uh, Tina Brown, we miss you. We love you. And we pray you're、uh, doing great at home joining us in worship. And for those that are、uh, joining us online, glad you guys are with us. We're going to start out with our shouts this morning. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. I want to always remember to tell you guys that I love you. I always want to remember to tell you that it is such a privilege to be the pastor of this church. And I'm so glad to be here. And I pray that this morning, whether you came from a busy week or a crazy week, a sad week, a happy week, that you can find time this morning where you're just connecting with God. Maybe it was through the worship time or the communion time, or maybe God has something to say to you through His word this morning. And so thank you for joining us today. At church. We've been walking together verse by verse through this book of 1 Peter that's in the Bible. And we're a little bit halfway through it、uh, today. Week by week, we've been tracing、uh, one of the key themes of this, bur-、uh, this book called Redefined. Now, there's other themes in the book of 1 Peter. So if you've read it on your own and say, well, I don't know, everything is attached to Redefined. Yeah, that's true. There's lots of themes in the verses,、uh, and there's lots of、uh, numerous ways to look at it and be impacted by 1 Peter. And we're just traveling one of the themes as we're looking at this redefined idea. And we're going to continue in that idea today as we look at how knowing Jesus and, and making him the Lord of our life it leads us to being redefined in our core, at the center of who we are. And it redefines our everyday actions and our decisions and our reactions to people and things that happen in our lives. And so we're going to pick it up here at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8.、Uh, Peter writes this Finally, all of you be like minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. And I love this list because I love to do things, right? I love when the Bible tells me exactly what to do do this, do this, do this. And, and I was excited to preach about this. And so. Every good pastor, they go to their Greek Bible right away. Now, I don't actually go to my Greek Bible. I go to a Greek interlinear because my Greek's not that good, which tells me like, what it is in Greek and what is it in English. And, and, and I was looking at that, going to talk about like, all these things we got to do in our redefined place. And when I got to my Greek, I was looking at it and I was like, oh my goodness, these are not verbs. These, these are adjectives. And you're like, what? So, grammar review verbs are. Action words, things you do. Adjectives are something that describes a noun. So, adjectives are descriptive of a thing. Well, what's the thing here? See, the noun in this sentence is you or y'all. They say in the, in the South, right? Y'all. We don't have a you plural, so they did it, all of you. So, the, the noun is y'all. But this isn't y'all do something, this is y'all are something. This is, it's, it's not an. An action, it's an adverb. He's saying, as a redefined person, this is what a redefined person looks like. They have these things.、And、the first one he says is, is a, a, in Jesus, you're same minded. So, like minded, it means the moment that you come to Jesus, you guys now all share the same mind the mind of Christ, the things of Christ, the desires of Christ, the thinking of Christ. It's not something that you have to actually,、uh, like, oh, I got to go be more like minded. No, you have become a Christian, and by definition, then, your mind has been transformed by the Holy Spirit so that you're of the same mind. 
Now, we don't always act out correctly our same mind, right? I know the right thing to do sometimes, and I still do the wrong occasionally. So sometimes my mind knows the, the right thing, and it doesn't. But, so this is saying, as you're redefined, you're the same mind with who? All of the you, right? So all of you, when you become Christians, what happens is you become like-minded. There's other people who now desire Christ, to desire to do what's right to desire to build God's kingdom, to live for other things other than themselves. And you become like-minded with people. And the next one, it says, this is a, it says be sympathetic, sympathetic in English, but it, it's actually the same thing, but with heart. It says you become like-hearted. Sympathetic means to have, have the same um, synced up emotional heart with someone else. That's what sympathy is, like, oh, I feel bad for them, right? Or I, I feel their pain, that kind of thing. And, and so that's what they've used in English. But it but isn't me actively doing it. What it's saying is, when I became a Christian, my mind is like those other Christians, and my heart is now with those other Christians. My heart is for those other Christians. My heart beats the same way as other Christians. My desires are like their desires. When they hurt, I hurt. When they triumph, I triumph. And then he says that, that you become, this is love one another, but in the Greek it's, it's just the word loving brother. It says you've become, when you become Christ, you become a loving brother. And we all have brothers maybe that we don't love or, you know, I don't know if your family dynamics, but sometimes our families aren't reflective of Christ all the time. But, but this is the kind of brother that you want. This is the loving brother, and that's what you become. You, you immediately become, and, and sister, if you're a, a girl, girls are smart enough to transpose that for, right, for language. So you become a brother and sister of someone the moment that you come to Christ and you're redefined now as that person. And it says be compassionate. So it reshapes your heart to have compassion for, for who? Everybody. But in the context, we're talking about the all of you. That's the, the noun. The noun is as we get together, our minds and our hearts are one. Our connection is deeper than familial, but it's a loving kind, not the antagonistic kind. And that we have compassion, deep care for one another. And we're humble. In Jesus, we're humble because Jesus is humble. Placing other people and their needs ahead of our own. You see, these aren't options. They're not things to do. This is a description of what it looks like if you are following Jesus. And so if you say to yourself, well, I don't always look like those things. Well... You are those things. How about you start to actualize the thing that you are? Sometimes we don't act like we're supposed to act, even though we know what we're supposed to do. And so it says, hey, how about maybe once you realize you are these things, then your actions come in line. Once you realize you're redefined by Jesus, then I can live in that new reality. And that new reality is loving and like-minded and like-hearted. Here's some more things. I, these ones have a little bit of do's, so that's good. Phew, I can finally do something. In the next section, it says, do not, oh no, I get to do not something, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. And this is 1 Peter 3, 9 through 12. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord, they're on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord's against those who do evil. And so he starts out, says, don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil for blessing. Mm, Now this sentence has showed up, and this idea has showed up a couple of times already in 1 Peter, that believers have to return blessing for insults. That's tough. That's tough. I don't know if you get insulted, but I'm a crackback person. Someone insults me. What do I? I almost have this immediate reaction to like, duh, 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 snap back at them, cut them down. And I used to be really good at it, and I've been trying my whole life to not be good at it anymore. But it, sometimes I'm still good at it, and it's, it's terrible. I'm like, sorry, God. I I return insult. Now it's just internally mostly in my mind all the time when I get insulted. But he says, don't do that. Return, when you get insulted, return a blessing. But you know what? When you get blessed, you know what you should return? An insult. It's the, no, not, that's not true. See? It's not, you receive a blessing from someone, you give back a blessing. You receive a, a neutral, hey, here you go, you give back a blessing. You receive an insert, you give back an insult, you give back a blessing. That's the principle. Whatever you're getting, it don't matter. You give back blessings. Are you a fountain of blessing? Someone comes around you like, oh man, I go near that person, I know I'm going to get blessed. I'm going to go by that person again, I'm going to get too blessed. Go get my donut, do my thing, and then right after I'm going to go back by around them because I'm going to be blessed again. Are you a fountain of blessing for those people that are around you? I've been uh, watching a couple of Jesuit priests online. I know that's weird, you know. Uh, these guys, they wear the robes, they look like, uh, you know, like, like Star Wars guys. Uh, those Jesuit priests. But I've been watching these two guys on, uh, on YouTube lately. And I really uh, like them. They, they react to different like movies, like pop movies, uh, memes and this sort of stuff, you know, uh, uh, YouTube like videos or movies and this uh, music and that kind of stuff. And they don't skip any. They don't only react to like God's Not Dead or like the latest like, you know, um, Christian songs. They, they react to all sorts of things, things that you wouldn't think like, oh, are they allowed to watch those things, you know? And they react to them all. And what I'm really impressed by them is no matter what they watch or no matter they're looking at someone's uh, either humor or their art, and a lot of times it's like uh, they'll watch something like South Park making fun of like the Catholic Church or they'll, the Simpsons making fun of the Catholic Church or something. And as uh, the Catholic Church tends to be the butt of some jokes, uh, lots of jokes culturally, they always return blessing even for insults in the videos, which is really interesting to me that they'll always find a way to say, like, look, we don't agree with this part of that. that that's probably, uh, you know, not true or whatever. And then they're like, but, but I see that they have a, these people are creating this art, and then they're trying to say something. And they always have a, find a way to, uh, to return blessing, even if they're being mocked as Catholics. And I'm so impressed by this, because I, I do it so poorly. Because like I said, when I get insulted, I'm a, I'm a crackback person. That's how I want to... I want to go back at it. When I get insulted, I want to insult back. And I love that these guys give a really cool example of how not to do that. And this, this uh, passage here we're looking at, it mentions evil. and con- It says, uh, don't, don't return evil for evil. But we're talking about the context of speech. Are you speaking back good things? Are you seeking peace? Are, so don't allow your tongue to speak evil. Don't allow your your talk to tear people down, but instead allow your talk and your tongue and your speech and your interaction with folks to be a fountain of blessing. So is your speech a fountain of blessing? 
Is your speech a pit of vipers? Is it a mixed bag? Well, God's saying, I want you to be a fountain of blessing. Wherever you're at, say, okay, maybe I need to move in that direction a little bit. So redefined Jesus followers have redefined speech. And then on the topic of speech, if we could pull those verses up, on the topic of speech, Peter transitions to the idea that God listens differently to redefined speech directed towards him. We call it prayer. When I'm a redefined person, God listens to my prayer differently. God hears all prayers of all people, sinners and non-sinners alike. The worship person, God hears their prayers absolutely. But God pays a certain attention. There's an undefined power in the Bible. It doesn't tell you exactly how it works or why it happens, but, but something is different when the righteous folks, when people are redefined by God when they pray. And we see it here in that verse. That, that there's something different about the prayers of those who are following God. In, in the book of James it says, the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And we see it same here. And so when we, when we speak to other people, we can be a blessing and a, a fountain of a powerful encouragement. But when we pray to God or speak to Him, we also can participate with the supernatural in a powerful way. And the, the Bible doesn't define it. And I don't know how it works. And I don't know why it always works. And, and it's not that every single prayer is answered and that kind of thing. But, but when you're a follower of God, your prayer matters. And it's effective and it's powerful because that's a redefined speech. God hears from the non-believers but it's different when he hears from you as a redefined speaker to him. So bottom line, our speech matters. Our speech matters to others and to God. So allow your speech to be redefined to be a blessing speech in your conversations to those around you as well as your conversations with God. Okay, what's next in our verses? Let's check it out. 1 Peter 3.13 Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what's right, then you'll be blessed in that. Don't fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Now, earlier he said this about governments. He said it for slaves. Now he's saying it to everyone. Courage replaces fear when we stand for what's right. Even in the midst of it, we're going to be blessed. So when you stand for the right thing, even if you suffer, you're going to be blessed. Even if it's a difficult thing and you endure it, and you return blessing, you're going to be blessed. He continues on, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Look at that first verse. Let's, let's grab that one real fast, that 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. He says, he's talking about some tough stuff. Hey, endure difficulty. Hey, give good speech. And, and he pauses kind of here and says, hey, remember to keep Christ as the center in your heart. Remember to hold fast to Christ, to hold Jesus close. Because what he's asking is difficult stuff. It's impossible on your own. It only happens as we follow this verse to hold Christ close. Then he says, as you do that, you've got to always be prepared to answer why you have hope. So always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason that, why do you believe? Why are you a Christian? 
Always be prepared to give an answer. Maybe, maybe it was philosophical reasons that you became, you, you heard the philosophical reasons for the existence of God, and you said, boom, I want to believe in that God. Maybe that, that's how you came to believe her. And so that's what you would share. Maybe it was that you had a lived experience with the living God, that you were like lost, and then all of a sudden you had this experience with God. Then share that. Maybe there was a, you can't explain it, but there was a supernatural touch from God in your life and you gave your life to him. Maybe, maybe you uh, happened to come to a Bible one time and you didn't even really believe it, but you opened it up and you started to read it and the Bible came alive to you and God was real and he spoke to you through the powerful word of God that first time that you read it. That's a reason for your believing. He says, always, always be ready. He said, as Christ is the center, always be ready when people ask that you can tell them why you have this hope. What is it about God that, that attracted you to him? There's lots of reasons that we have the, for the hope that we have. Just be ready to share them when someone else is interested. This verse also speaks to the intentionality of a believer to respond using the Bible to the core questions uh, about what knowing Christ means. So it's not only to give a reason for why I believe, particularly, but to give a reason why I think that I believe correctly according to the scriptures. How do I know I have the right God? How do I know that I'm following Jesus well? So th there's an idea here that, that I have to study the Bible. I have to be able to respond to people in a way that's powerful and effective with my speech. And I've got to be prepared to do that. Prepared for oh, why do I believe, but also make sure that what I think is true is actually true by studying the Bible myself. Great place to do that is that intensive Bible training that's coming up just this couple of weeks that you're invited to. Feel free to come to that. See me right after. I was the person you were supposed to see to sign up for that. I've got a long list here waiting for people to sign up. <laughs> Whatever uh, content you do respond with, though, he says you're going to give a lot of reasons. Maybe it's a supernatural one. Maybe there's a biblical reason that you follow God and maybe you want to talk about the Bible with someone. But he, but he says, if you're going to do it, do it this way. He says, make sure uh, that you do it with gentleness and respect. Make sure you do it with gentleness and respect. Whatever content you respond with, whatever hope you share, it must be with gentleness and respect. Otherwise, don't say anything. If you cannot respond to someone, oh, you're a Christian, and you're a crackback person, you write about, you know you're going to get an insult. Well, Christians are losers. You shut up, loser. If you're going to crack back, don't say anything. Don't give a reason for your hope. Why? Because it's going to be invalidated by the way that you're talking back to them. That's why he says don't invalidate your argument by your tone. This is our real reality. Tone is super important. Anyone in a relationship or been in a relationship? Content? More important, tone more important. Tone. My wife and I have had two or three content fights in 21 years of marriage. Maybe two or three. That's probably the first year. What? You want to sleep on that side of the Bible? That's why I want to be on the content. One or two times, three times, maybe fights. The other four fights we had, <laughs> so almost double, content. I mean, uh, uh, tone, attitude. Always. We never have a content fight. She didn't show up one day. I don't believe in Jesus anymore. What? What the heck? You know, like, you know, like, uh, uh, 
babe, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. What? It's never, like, there's no content. Like, it's, our fights are only an ever tone. And you can win the fight with content and absolutely lose the fight. I have been right one or two times and lost the fight, for sure, because of my tone. And so that's what Peter's saying. He says, look, you've got to have an answer. You've got to be ready to talk to people. Hold up, Turbo. Gentleness and respect. If you can't do it in general and respect, then don't respond. Shut your mouth, because otherwise you're going to mess up Christianity. And that may be the problem that we've seen with some Christians, maybe if you've seen some on TV, or when they talk, um, watch this. I'm fair. A political here, we're not saying a political statement. If a Christian speaks on politics, do they do it with gentleness and respect? If you talk about something that you're passionately against, let's say you're pro-life and you don't think that babies should be killed, are you talking with gentleness and respect when you talk to someone else? Maybe uh, there's an agenda that you're for or against. Are you talking with them with gentleness and respect as a believer? If you're not, then shut your mouth because you're doing Christianity a disservice. Your whole point was to point them to God. You were going to give the ho- a reason for the hope that you believe in, and all of a sudden they can't listen because of your tone, because you're not gentle, you're not respectful. Share the truth, but do it in love, respect, and gentleness. So we see that our redefined speech and answers are a direct indication of our redefined heart and our redefined relationship with Christ as Lord. Here's our last section for today. For it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After Being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism and now saves you also. Now, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who's gone into heaven and he's at the right hand with the angels, the authorities, and the powers and in submission to him. And so at the beginning here, this is the same argument we saw in the first week about struggles, our last week about uh, governments and uh, slaves to masters. And, and just a few verses ago, we saw the exact same thing, that it's better if it's God's will for you to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So this is like the third or the fourth time that we've heard it. And, and whenever you hear something three or four times from the Word of God, or God's trying to say something three or four times, Guess what? We should probably pause and say, okay, is this really important? Let me check this out again. Let me relook at it because the fourth time it comes up. So we're going to take a quick relook at this. God often tells us multiple times in order to get our attention. So let's check it out. Now, this letter was to people who were facing horrible suffering. So we've got to keep that in mind because of their decision to follow Jesus. These people decided to follow Jesus, and no matter what, even if it meant their death, even if it meant, meant separation from their families, they said, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And they were, they were experiencing incredible suffering. So no wonder this book says it four or five times, because that was their lived-in reality. They were massively suffering. 
And every time in every point of this book, though they're suffering, they're getting insulted, they're getting beat, they're getting killed, they're getting spit on, they're getting disrespected, they're losing their jobs, their, their, their livelihoods, their businesses are being burned down, their families are being destroyed, their lives are being threatened. And Peter writes this book to them that over and over says, no matter the struggles that you're in, return blessing. It's better to receive suffering for doing good than it is for you to live comfortably and follow the crowd. Now, in our context, in Orange County, you're not suffering in the same way. Maybe some places in this, in this planet, but not here. But we have suffering. It may not be the same suffering as them, but we still have difficulties and suffering in our lives. And God says, when you're in the middle of those things, do good. I don't know, how many times do we, like, stuff goes really wrong? Four or five bad things in a row. I hear this all the time, and someone will say, well, Pastor Sam, I, I, there's so much going on. So much bad stuff's happening, I can't get to church. Well, guess what? If bad is going on, where do you need to get? <laughs> Don't get to your job. Get to the church. Don't get to the bottle or to the wherever else you're going to go. Get to church. Get back to God. In the middle of suffering, have eyes and eyes alone for him. Peter tells them, don't worry about your suffering because Jesus suffered for you. You think that your layoff from your job was unfair. Uh, Jesus died for your sins. That's more unfair, right? Jesus took all of the punishment and, and returned only blessing, life, goodness. And he says, now that you're like-minded with Christ, like-hearted with Christ, then respond in the same like manner as Christ. See, you and I are the unrighteous in that statement that God died for the unrighteous. That's me and you. That he suffered for sins, our sins, once for all of us. Single payment, paid in full. The righteous for the unrighteous. You and I receive the benefit of his suffering. You and I get to belong to God. And he says, do the same thing. When you're suffering, make sure that you're still a blessing to everyone that's around you. When you're in time of difficulty, maybe it's God allowing you to experience a little difficulty and sync up with the same way Jesus was. He had some difficulty. That's how the early Testament believers, they, they would get punished and what they would say is like, oh my gosh, God, thank you. They're going to kill me this week. I'm so stoked because they killed Jesus. You thought I was worthy to be like Jesus. They're going to kill me for this. And they were like, yes. I'm like, oh man, I lost 40 bucks that fell out of my pocket. No, God, you know, that's my suffering. Whenever you face any suffering, remember Christ and what he suffered. Whether you're suffering through a lost job or a lost loved one or a lost opportunity. Maybe you suffer because some of your coworkers found out you're a Christian and now they side-eye you like, mm, mm -hmm, you're one of those. Maybe you're suffering because you're losing friends at school, uh, college or, or high school, because you don't want to party like them and you don't chase the things that they chase. 
And so maybe you're not always invited into the loop. Maybe you're left out. So when we suffer, remember that Jesus suffered. And we have become like him as a redefined person. Now he ends with a bit of baptism, but there's a strange sentence before baptism. It says uh, where Jesus preaches to some imprisoned spirits and he proclaims to them uh, about being made alive. Pull that verse really up. Uh, so this one seems sort of confusing. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in days of Noah. So who are these spirits that Jesus proclaimed something to? Uh, three options. They're demonic spirits. And Jesus goes and proclaims to them. Proclaim not the gospel, but proclaim their judgment. Uh, by the nature of the sentence, it could be uh, disobedient folks who died at that time, and they're dead spirits. And he again proclaims judgment, not the gospel, but judgment on them. And the third option is uh, no one actually knows. So that's the third one. This one I, I usually go with. Um, I would say that perhaps, and this is, there's sometimes some really confusing sentences in the New Testament, and perhaps Peter's reader had, Peter's readers knew an insight that we don't have. This, this, whatever this is seems to have been lost to us, and so scholars kind of don't really know what it's saying. But the baptism part, we know what that is. So what's our baptism? Is he speaking about the action of uh, when we blow up the jacuzzi and we dip someone in the water there? Or is he speaking about baptism into Jesus? And he defines it, he says, it's not the water, but the living water that cleanses us. So we do physical baptism to do our best to show others what had happened on an internal scale. To show that we've been eternally and permanently redefined. See, it's not the washing off of the dirt, the, the water that cleanses off the sins somehow. It's the connection with Jesus, that Jesus redefines us. That when we get baptized, we're proclaiming to the world, look, look it, it's not about getting a bath here. It's not about jumping in the jacuzzi. It's about, I am a different person. I'm connected spiritually, mentally, all heart with believers. I'm a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, right? That verse that we memorized. I am all of those things. And you're declaring that as you get baptism, baptized. That's what baptized into Christ gives you. A completely redefined reality. Inside and out. Now and in the future. With others and with God. Jesus redefines everything. And I want you to walk this week knowing that Jesus has redefined all of your reality. Every relationship, every interaction that you have, every decision that you make, all the parts of you, you are different now that you're a believer. And so live in that new reality. I'm going to ask us to take a moment to ask God to help you actualize the truths that we're hearing. Would you just join me in prayer and, and ask Him to help you to allow His Word to travel from your ears to your brain and then from your brain to take root in your heart. Would you pray that the Spirit helps you allow God's truth to redefine you, even right now? And so whatever words you need to use to pray that, to say, God, I, I want to live a redefined reality. I want to live in the way that you actually called me to be. To be the person that you want me to be, the loving brother, the, the one-hearted with those that are around me, one-minded. God, I want to see my sufferings 
and glorify you even in the difficult parts, not just the great parts. Show me what it looks to be a redefined person. 